One of my favorite videos that I have ever seen was a video that I saw in college. And my roommate, Ben, showed it to me. And it was this video of this little boy at Christmas. And his parents were going to give him a Christmas present. But they were going to play a trick on him because they thought it was going to be funny. They wanted to see their little boy. He had to have been two or three. His reaction on how would he react if he opened up a gift that was just an odd gift. So what they decided to do was take an avocado and wrap an avocado with wrapping paper. And they put it in front of their little boy and they said, Merry Christmas, here's your Christmas present, open your present. And this little boy is so pumped, so excited, he's like freaking out, like clapping. He tears it open like super fast and he sees the avocado and you think his parents are probably expecting him to be like, what, what is this, this is confusing. And the little boy goes, oh, an avocado, thanks. And he like hugs the avocado and the parents are like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, he was so grateful and so thankful that he opened up a Christmas present and it was an avocado. He's like, an avocado! Thank you! I love that video. I think it, you know, comes around in circles every Christmas. I'm looking forward to seeing it again, hopefully. I'm sure you could just Google it and find it, but it's hilarious. It's really cute. But this little boy, this little three-year-old boy, he teaches us something that is really an important lesson for us to learn, and it's a lesson about thankfulness. He was so thankful. He was so grateful to just open up an avocado. So we're taking a break from First Peter. We're talking about what it means to have thankful hearts. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians and go to chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15 in a second. God wants Christians to be thankful people. Over and over and over again in the Bible, he tells us that we need to be thankful, that we need to be rejoicing with thanksgiving, that we need to have thankful hearts, that our attitudes should be thankful, that we should be overflowing in thankfulness. But how often do you think about that? Answer that in your mind. How often do you think about the importance of thankfulness? How often do you think about yourself and your own life and think, am I being thankful? Am I living in thankfulness? Well, we should because it's important. It's important to God. And we're going to see here in these verses that we did read this past Wednesday, we're going to get deeper into it tonight, that God takes it very seriously. So this little boy in this video, he teaches us the attitude that we need to have, to be thankful for even the little things, to have thankfulness overflowing from our hearts for every single thing that God gives us, every gift that we get, everything we should be thankful for. So look at Colossians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 15. It says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Three verses. One time in each verse, God says, 
be thankful. Have thankfulness in your heart. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So what I want you to see tonight is that you need to respond primarily to what Christ has done for you by having thankful hearts and by living for His glory. You need to realize everything that Christ has done for you. And Paul tells us here in Colossians so many things that Christ has done, so many things, so many blessings we have because of Christ, we should be thankful and we should live for His glory. I'm going to give you point number one. I want you to write it down like this. Realize what you have to be thankful for. I want you tonight to realize everything, so many things that you have that you need to be thankful for. You see, in Paul, he says to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He starts off here and talks about the peace of Christ. Well, what does the peace of Christ mean? It's a couple things that it refers to. First of all, the peace of Christ refers to the peace that you have with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Before you put your trust in Jesus, you know that you're considered an enemy of God. The Bible says that before you become a Christian, you have enmity with the Father. You have strife and conflict. You are an enemy of God. You, there is not peace between you and God before you put your trust in Jesus. So we talk about the peace of Christ. Jesus, because he died on the cross, because he took your sin on his shoulders and he took the punishment that you deserve, because he did that, you can put your trust in him and his resurrection and you can go from an enemy of God to a friend of God. You can have peace with God. And praise God that we get to have peace with him through what Christ has done. So that's the first instance of peace with God. But the second thing is that the peace of Christ refers to the internal peace that he brings. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ brings peace to you, to your heart, inner peace, so that no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on, no matter how hard life gets, no matter what's going on, you can have peace. You can be calm. You can trust God. You can not have anxiety. You can face hard times with confidence. And this inner peace that we have peace of Christ is a result of the eternal peace that we have because of what Christ has done. So we have peace. We have the peace of Christ. We have peace with God. We have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. That's what it says. The peace should rule in your hearts. And that word rule, it means something like umpire. Any baseball players here? Any softball players here? You know what an umpire does? Somebody tell me, what does an umpire do? What? 
He calls the whole game, right? He gets to say, out, safe, strike, ball. He gets to kick you out of the game. He gets to say you can stay. He can kick your coach out. He, he, can, he, he controls the game. He calls the shots. And so what God is saying is that the peace of Christ should be like the umpire of your life. Controlling your life. You understand? That's the word, control. The peace of Christ should control your entire life. It means that if the peace of Christ is your umpire, that you are going to make sure that you're making godly decisions, that you're making loving decisions, you're loving your neighbors, that you're listening to God, you're obeying God. Whenever you're playing on a baseball or a softball team and that umpire turns to you and says, strike, are you able to say, no, it wasn't? What, what would they do? I'm looking at you, Luke. What, what would they do if you turned and said, that wasn't a strike? Right? And if you kept arguing, they probably would do what? Throw you out. You can't, you can't argue with that. He controls. And so the point here is that the peace of Christ has to control you, has to rule your life, rule your heart, meaning that you're going to do everything you can. You're going to strive to make godly decisions. You're going to strive to do everything you can to please God with your life. So the peace of God, we have it ruling in our hearts, controlling our lives. And then Paul says that you were called to this. You were called to peace in one body. So God has called Christians. We talked about this before. He's called you. He saved you. He chose you in his grace. And as he calls you and saves you, he's calling you to peace. Called in one body to peace. And when he talks about the body, that's in reference to the church. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are called, commanded, chosen by God to live in peace with each other. So if God's peace is controlling you, then you're going to be living in peace with each other because that's what honors God. That's what pleases God. So you have the peace of God. And then after he talks about the peace of God, there's a period, and then he says a three-word sentence, and be thankful. And when you're first reading that, you might think, that's kind of an, an odd little tag-on at the end there. I don't really get, what, what, why does, what is that? How does that connect? Well, it connects because Christians are called and commanded to be thankful. And when you think about the peace of God, the peace that you have with God, the peace that you can have, in every terrible situation, every hard thing you face, you can have peace. The peace that you have with each other in the body of Christ. We should be thankful for this. So first of all, you're thankful for what Christ has done. And you can have peace with God. That you can be a friend of God. You should be thankful for this. And not just this, but you should be thankful for all of the ways that God has shown his kindness to you. So what does it mean to be thankful? What does it mean? Here's a basic definition. To be happy or grateful because of something. And that something could be anything. You are happy and grateful because something happened to you. Someone gave something to you. Someone did something, said something to you. you something like that happened and you are happy and grateful. That's being thankful. 
So whenever your parents get you an awesome birthday present, you should be thankful. You should be happy and grateful and appreciative of this awesome birthday present. That's thankfulness. Whenever your friends are kind to you, you should be thankful. It's a good thing that they're doing. You should be thankful for this. Being thankful means that you don't take good things for granted. It means that you value these good things and you appreciate them. I want you to imagine that you're hanging out with your friend and it's your friend's birthday and you're like, hey, what did you get for your birthday? And your friend was like, oh, just a car. Just a car. And it's not even that nice. It's like a 2020 like, Corvette. It's not, it's, it's not nice. But then your friend's like, oh, oh but like, I, it's really great. I'm thankful for it. Like, you know, it's, it's cool. Would you be like, uh, that doesn't sound like you're actually thankful, right? doesn't sound like they're thankful. Thankfulness would be, this is amazing. This is the greatest gift I've ever received. This is wonderful. This is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate this, and I love you guys. Thank you. That is thankfulness. You're happy and appreciative and grateful for something. And so when God says at the end of that verse, and be thankful, what he's saying is, Christians, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you need to be thankful people. Your lives should reflect the fact that you are just thankful. Not just for really nice things you get, but for everything, even the seemingly small things. You should be thankful for it because you're understanding that they're good gifts, they're good things that God has given you. Most importantly, the peace that you have with him, the relationship that you have with him, you should be thankful for that, appreciative and grateful So if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, then you, you, you should be known as a thankful person. Someone that doesn't take good things for granted. And we've all taken things for granted before. And it's wrong. You need to be thankful. I want you to think about Every other thing. Just, just take a few seconds right now and think about everything that you should be thankful for. Yes, your relationship with God, the peace that Jesus has brought, what Jesus has done for you, the fact that you can have a relationship with God. Be thankful for that, for the peace of Christ, for, for the peace that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these things, but think more. Think about the seemingly smaller things that you should be thankful for. You guys woke up today, right? You're all here, living and breathing. Guys, some people didn't wake up today. But you did. You should be thankful. Did you guys have a meal today? Some of you are shaking your heads no. You need to get some food. Did you hang out with some friends today? Spend time with your family today? Do you guys have a bed? You guys are wearing clothes. I mean, I, we just could go on and on and on and on and on about all of the things that you should be thankful for, that maybe you take for granted, that you don't think about these things and how much of a privilege and a blessing it is that you have certain things. You need to be thankful for it. God says be thankful and be thankful. So we, Christians, should be known for our thankfulness, for your family, for your friends, for your school, for the education that you're receiving, even if you don't like school. Guys, I didn't like school. 
And I struggled with being thankful for school. But now, looking back, having gone through it, I'm glad that I did, right? Being thankful that you're getting an education. Thankful for your church. Thankful for your leaders. So many things. You have so much to be thankful for. And here's the thing. God commands you to be thankful. He says, if you're a Christian, you should be known for your thankfulness. So be thankful. Start expressing your thankfulness, guys. Whenever you pray, you need to make sure that you're setting time aside just to thank God for how he's blessed you, for what he's done for you, for every little thing that you have to be thankful for. Just just start counting them off and thanking God for what he's done for you. Start telling your parents that you are thankful for them. Start telling your grandparents how thankful you are for them. Start telling your friends how thankful you are for them. It pleases God when you have a thankful attitude. Understand that? It pleases Him. It glorifies Him when you have a thankful heart and a thankful attitude. And so Christians, we should all be taking this more seriously. To be pleasing God with a thankful heart and a thankful attitude. Over and over and over again, God's word says, be thankful. In the Bible, it says over 100 times in different ways, you should be thankful. This is important, right? If it says it 100 times in there, be thankful. God takes it seriously. And the truth is, maybe you are not a very thankful person right now. And you think about this, you're thinking about it, and you're like, man, I don't know the last time I said thank you to my parents. I don't know how often I tell people that I'm thankful for them. I take things for granted. I'm not a thankful person. Well, here's what God says. God's word says you can become more thankful. You can stop taking things for granted. Here's point number two. Become more thankful by reading God's word. You can become a more thankful person, someone who has thankfulness overflowing from your heart when you read the Word of God. When you memorize and study the Word of God, you can become more thankful. Verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwelling in you, the Word of Christ, the Word of God, the Bible, needs to be dwelling inside of you richly. Dwelling in you means living inside your mind. It's in you, it's in your heart, it's in your mind, you know it. And it says, dwelling in you richly, that word is like abundantly, overflowing. The word of God should be in you and just overflowing out of you, dwelling in you, richly. So how do you do that though? How do you get God's word to dwell in you richly? Well, first of all, you read it daily. You take the daily Bible reading seriously. You open up God's Word and you read it. You don't just fly through it and check off a box, but you meditate on it. Now, when I say meditate, I don't mean, oh, meditate, right? It just means read slowly. Pray through what you're reading. So when God's Word says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, meditating would be saying, God, please help me. To let your word dwell in me richly. Praying over the Bible. Meditating on it. Memorizing scripture. Even just listening to it, guys. 
putting in headphones, and just listen to it. The Bible needs to be dwelling in you richly. You need to know the Bible. I bet that you guys have a bunch of things that are dwelling in you richly. I bet you do. And we're, we're going we're gonna, to gonna test you, okay? Have you ever realized how crazy the amount of song lyrics that you can memorize is? Have you ever noticed that? It's pretty crazy how many lyrics you can memorize. Or what about this? How many of you guys are obsessed with sports team statistics? Anybody? Anybody? Who's your favorite team in uh, NBA? What's their record right now? You don't know? Oh, maybe you're not obsessed. I don't know. Does somebody know it? What is it? Six and seven. Not very good, but he knew it. Right? You know these things. There's things that dwell in you richly. Somebody shout to me, what was your favorite childhood movie? Just shout it. Okay. Okay. Think about your favorite childhood movie. I, I think that if we put that movie on right here, you could probably quote 80% or more. Of an hour-long movie. In probably more than one movie, you could do that too. That's a lot. You could probably go weeks, months, maybe even years without watching that movie, without listening to those songs, and then all of a sudden it pops in your head and you know the whole thing. It's dwelling in you richly. How did it get to be like that, though? You watched it over and over and over, and you listened to it over and over and over. And if it's a song that you really liked, you tried to memorize it over and over and over and over again. And now, it's there. And it'll always be there. Like, seriously. Ninjago? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to get to be an old lady, and you're going to memorize the whole thing still. That's how it works. When things are dwelling in you richly, you know it. And so what God is saying is that His Word, the Bible needs to dwell in you richly. And you get there by reading it over and over and over and memorizing and meditating and praying over it and listening to it over and over and over. And when you have God's word memorized and stored up in your hearts and your minds, you will know him better. You'll know what God loves. You'll know what God hates. You'll know what he's pleased with and what he's displeased with. Knowing God's word better will make you more like Jesus. You become more godly whenever the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Is there a song? See, you're proving my point. You know a song about it. Psalm 119.9, or sorry, Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So here's the point. You stay pure before God 
by knowing his word, by living according to his word. God's word dwelling in your heart will keep you from sinning. God's word dwelling in your heart. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You need to guard your heart. Guard what you are letting in. Make sure that you are dwelling on the word of Christ. Make sure you're putting in godly things because everything that you do, the Bible says, flows from your heart. So what do you want to flow from your heart? If you put your trust in Christ, then the answer needs to be whatever is honoring to God. That's what I want to flow from my heart. Godly things, things that please Christ and honor him, that's what I want to be flowing from my heart then you need to be guarding your heart. If you want thankfulness to be flowing from your heart, if you want to have thankful hearts like God says we should have, then you need to be guarding your heart and dwelling in the word of God. You gotta know it. You gotta memorize it. You gotta study it. And these things will make you a more thankful person. And it says that when God's word dwells in you richly, you can teach and you could admonish each other in wisdom. That means whenever you know God's word and it's stored up in your heart, there's nothing more wise than God's word. No one is wiser than God. So that means that when you really know God's word, you can help your friends and your family. You can teach them about the Bible, teach them God's word. And whenever they're doing something that God doesn't like, you can admonish them. That means kind of like, get them in trouble, but not trouble. You're just lovingly telling them, hey, that's not right. God doesn't like that. Here's what he wants you to do. This is what pleases him, and what you're doing doesn't please him. It's wise. God's word is wise, and it makes you wise, and you can be teaching and admonishing these things. And then, as God's word is dwelling in you richly, it will motivate you to worship. He says, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs. That means just singing praises to God. Look, singing together as the church is not a new concept. You understand? It's not like the church all of a sudden, like, guitars got invented, and then like, oh, we're going to sing now. This has always been a thing. God delights in the praises of his people. Old Testament, New Testament, his people have always sung praises to him. And whenever you are whenever the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly and you are thankful for God and what he's done and the blessings, praising him will just naturally come out. Because you are just so thankful for him and for what he's done for you and for what he'll continue to do for you. It just, just praises will just flow from you because of what's in your heart. And whatever's in your heart is what comes out. So look, whenever you're in a church service, like main service, okay, and there's an opportunity to sing, then you need to sing. There should be no, oh, I don't know, I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want this, I don't want that. That doesn't doesn't matter. What matters is that you think about what God has done for you, you're thankful for him and for what he's done for you, then you praise him for it. So it says you will sing to God with thankfulness in your heart. He says, and be thankful in verse 15. Verse 16, have thankfulness in your heart. 
And if you want thankfulness in your heart, you have to store God's word in your heart. You need to be a thankful person. You need to have a thankful attitude. I want you guys to think for a minute about the things that do flow from your heart. Are you really quick to get angry? Or do you exercise patience? Are you very quick to tear others down with your words? Or are you encouraging? Are you quick to use bad language? What the Bible calls obscene talk? Or are your words pure? And what this passage is talking about specifically here is thankfulness. Are you quick to be thankful? Are you quick to be thankful? To recognize that God is good to you and he's showing his kindness to you through whatever it may be and you say, thank you God. Thank you for this. Are you you quick to express your thankfulness to your parents, your teachers, your friends, your leaders, whoever? Are you thankful? Is it flowing from your heart? Or is it not? Are you taking things for granted? And most importantly, are you expressing your thankfulness to God? Because God desires for his people to be thankful people. Verse 17, he wraps all of this up, what he's saying about thanksgiving. And um, he's saying that your thankfulness for God should lead you to give him glory. Here's point number three. Give Jesus glory because you are thankful for him. What? Okay. Well, then cross it out and put the word give. Give Jesus glory because you are thankful for him. God's word says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Every single thing that you do, your words, your actions, your thoughts, they need to be done in the name of Jesus. Well, what does that mean to do something in the name of Jesus? It means to do what is honoring to Jesus. It means to do what is pleasing to Jesus. When you are obedient to Jesus, you're being obedient in his name. When you love your enemies, you're doing that in his name. When you respect and obey your parents, you're doing that in his name. You need to do everything in the name of Jesus. To live in the name of Jesus is to strive to do exactly what Jesus wants you to do in every situation. To live in the name of Jesus is to be a good representation of him. To represent him well to the world through your life. So this verse should make you think about your behavior, about your actions, about your choices that you're making. Think about the choices you made today and yesterday, over the last week. Were your choices... Was your behavior a good representation of Christ? Were you living and acting in the name of Jesus? Did you bring glory to him through what you were doing and saying and thinking? 
It should, it should be. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you're a Christian, you are his ambassador. An ambassador is a person who acts as a representative for someone or for something. Okay, So usually this means uh, an, an ambassador of a country. So let's say that the United States of America was going to have a meeting with a bunch of other countries. Okay, All of these countries would send an ambassador, one person or maybe two people, and they would go have this meeting. And let's say, you, you guys right here, we're going to be the ambassadors for the United States of America. Okay, You would go fly to this country, and everything that you do and say at that meeting is representing the entire nation. That's what an ambassador of a country does. Okay? So how terrible would it be? I want you to imagine that you guys are the ambassadors and you go and, and you are rude and you're yelling at people and you're just being dumb and making foolish decisions. How bad would that look for the United States of America? Look pretty bad, right? Okay. Well, you are ambassadors for Christ. You need to be representing Christ well with your words, your thoughts, your actions. Everything you do needs to be done in the name of Jesus because you are an ambassador of Jesus. You should be glorifying him with your entire life. God is glorified when you obey, when you obey his word. And you should want to bring glory to God with your life. It should be a desire of yours. You should strive to give God glory because of your thankfulness to him. I want you to think about that for a second. Because you are thankful for God, for what he's done for you, for how he has saved you, for how he blesses you, for how he just shows you his kindness in so many ways, that should then push you and motivate you. Because you're thankful, push you and motivate you to live your life, to bring him glory. to do everything in the name of Jesus. You can give God glory and you can be thankful for him through Jesus Christ. That's what the, that's what the verse says. Through Jesus Christ, through what he's done. It, it, look at me. I want everybody to look at me, okay? This is only possible because of what Christ has done. And I want you to leave here tonight understanding that. That you can only have peace with God. You can only be a friend of God because of what Christ has done. You can only have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because of what Christ has done. You can only have peace with each other because of what Christ has done. You only have a desire to read God's word because of what Christ has done. It's all because of what he has done. And your thankfulness for Christ, your thankfulness for God, for what he's done for you, should then push you to bring him glory with your life. All right, so look, it's Thanksgiving. It's coming, okay? How many of you guys are like off of school? You guys on break and everything a little bit? Yeah, that's great, okay? I want you to intentionally set time aside over the course of this next week just spend time reflecting on being thankful. Spend time thinking about all the ways that God has blessed you and think about all the things that you should be thankful for. 
You know that list we started last Wednesday, if you were here? Keep going. Try and fill that paper or another paper as much as you can with writing as many things that you're thankful for. Is that what that is right there? Keep going. Put more. Put more stuff. That's the thing, is you will keep going and going and going. There's so many things to be thankful for. And what I'm trying to tell you guys, what God's Word is saying, is that you need to be thankful people. So be thankful this Thanksgiving and continue to be thankful past it. Let's pray. God, please help us to be thankful. Help us to understand what you've done for us and to be thankful for, for you, for, for what Jesus, for what you did for us. Thank you that you didn't leave us in the state of your enemy. But God, you made a way for us to be your friend. So thank you, Lord. I pray that we would all continue to grow in our thanksgiving and our hearts would be thankful for you, for each other, for every gift you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.